pun intended because I'm rolling a joint right now. Um, <laughs> so before we get started, do you go by Nicholas or Nick? Uh, Nick is fine. Awesome. Well, Nick, welcome to the Chillinois podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Doing uh, about to be doing better. Uh, the pun that may that people may have put two and two together on is the fact that, like I say, I'm rolling a joint. I said we're going to roll right on into this show. So yeah, things are things are about to be better as I spark up this joint. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you today. I'm I'm all about trying to support our local Chilinoians, and uh, you have a, a local business. Um, we'll get into that, but I just want to give you the floor. Please uh, introduce yourself. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, and I'm sure we'll naturally segue into what you're doing nowadays. Sure, man. Um, so my name is Nicholas. Uh, I'm 22. Um, I, I own this business called 420 Pipes, um, and we're an online headshot marketplace in Springfield, Illinois. Um, and my life's story, I guess, um, I, as I've told it before, I grew up in a small um, southern Illinois town called Taylorville, uh, growing up in a religious household that was a Jehovah's Witness. So um, growing up, you know, I heard about how cannabis is the devil's lettuce. And, you know, if, if you smoke weed, you're going to get possessed by demons and a bunch of old, old nonsense, essentially wise tales, as you will. Um, and when I was 17 years old, uh, I decided that I actually didn't believe what people were saying about the plant and I wanted to try it. Um, so I worked at Walmart at the time. Um, my best friend and I were like, you know what we're going to do, we're going to try it. So we got some, you know, the, the only weed I could find, which was like a quarter of some, you know, some Brown weed in Springfield or in Taylorville. But, you know, I was a kid at the time, so you got to do what you got to do. Um, and I tried it and I have never looked back. Um, I've always had anxiety uh, ever since I was a kid. And the first time I ever tried cannabis, it helped me navigate that. Um, and I knew that that was like the, the demonization of the plant was not legit. Um, however, I got busted when I was 17 by my, my family. Um, and I was actually shunned from the religion. Uh, so all my friends and family that I knew um, wouldn't, couldn't talk to me because of the religion. Uh, because I decided to use cannabis. Um, and then after that, I knew I needed to get out of my parents' house. I went into banking. Uh, I was a loan officer for the time that I was like, I, I went into banking when I was 18. I became a loan officer when I was 19. And I did that until May of this year. Um, I was working on this project, the 420 Pipes project. And I had just started to launch my marketplace. Uh, and I was fired as a loan officer on May 4th. Um, and from then it's just been kind of my mission. You know, I realized like I'd already put my face on this company, you know, I, I was a loan officer. So I was working in, in a, uh, pretty conservative, socially conservative environment where, you know, not everybody was so accepting of cannabis. Sure. Um, and I, uh, since I had put my face on that company, I knew I was like, this is what I'm doing. You know, I'm going all in. So my wife and I, uh, started working on this. And we got a business partner from her work that works with me full time now. Um, and this is what we do. So uh, we started off as a, you know, an online head shop um, selling items for $4 and 20 cents. Um, and I realized whenever I was doing just that, um, that I was kind of directly competing with my favorite head shops. So there was, there was one around uh, me, Penny Lane, 
shout out that I've loved my whole life. Everybody loves that's like the, the known head shop that people drive, you know, all the way into town for all from all the towns around. And I felt like I was stealing business from them by having a small business, um, selling the same things, right. Uh, kind of at a cheaper price. And I thought like, how can I help people like that, that have been running, you know, paving the way for all of us new people in a time where cannabis is legal, where they've been around since the seventies and they've had to deal with all the BS that they've had. Um, and now as everything gets legalized and people are adapting to the online market, um, you know, what can I do to help those guys? So I started, um, my marketplace platform, um, where I do, you know, fulfillment, uh, and sales and stuff for these small businesses, um, in, all around town. And that's what I've been doing, uh, since, since April, my first partner was Prairie state hemp. Um, we started listing their glass online, but what we've seen is, is that even though cannabis is less and less taboo and the use of cannabis and smoking is less and less taboo, a whole bunch of head shops across the country, you know, Illinois included, haven't adopted the online model. So, um, you know, we help them with that. We help them have a broader reach of customers and, you know, more, more online, um, as well. So that's, that's been my focus since then. Um, and now we have 10 partners. So I'm really happy about that. Everybody that we work with is an owner operated either a head shop or like a, a glass blower or somebody in, you know, in that range. So we're helping exclusively small businesses, um, sell all across the country. Very cool. Very cool. And the website's 420pipes.com, right? 420pipes.com. Yes, sir. Awesome. Awesome. Well, folks, uh, if it's easier, we've got that link in the podcast description. So whichever platform you're listening on, if you look in the description for this particular episode, you'll see a link to 420pipes.com. Um, so that's that's super cool. Super Thanks, cool. Man. So how's it been going? Um, you know, it's been, it's been a struggle, right? You know, one thing, whenever we're helping small, other small businesses, we're helping them sell online because of how many headaches come with selling online. You know, a lot of these guys haven't needed to yet. Um, and so they try, they go to open up a shop and they get shut down. They can't advertise. You can't promote anything on Google or Facebook or whatever. Um, and they haven't really had like a solid avenue to do that. And then it's expensive. So, you know, we've taken kind of all of those headaches and smoothed it out for them, but it's been a headache for us. You know, it's like every, it, we're, sometimes we're falling upwards. It's always been upwards, but it's just, it's really, it's much more complicated to market your business in this space than it would be if we were selling something like t-shirts, um, you know, where you could just market that anywhere. Um, so because of that, you know, it's been, a, it's been pretty, it's been a challenge, but it's been worth it. It's been paying off. Yeah. And I realized with the name, uh, 420 pipes, it's kind of hard to pull this card, but you know, back in the day, I felt like they were able to pull the whole, like, Oh, it's for tobacco. It's, it's an herbal grinder. Um, are you not able to pull that card anymore? Like, or, you know, um, <laughs> like as far as facing those difficulties. So yes and no. Um, oddly enough, you know, anybody who's running these platforms or who doesn't want you to be able to sell stuff like this, sure. they don't know what 420 pipes means still. Like, like nobody, nobody understands. I, 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 anybody who's not in the culture still they they don't know what 420 means. 
So um, like even whenever I've had to talk to the banks um, and, and the payment processors and whoever, it's like we have to we have to explain the nomenclature with them because they, they just don't they don't get it. Um, so that hasn't really been that much of a, an issue. However, um, you know, we're a cannabis business. Um, we put that on our website, you know, like these are we are not a tobacco business. Um, we don't promote sure. tobacco use. Um, so that's been, that's been, uh, that has been one thing that we could take advantage of more to potentially promote our products. But since we're trying to be a cannabis positive business, um, no, and like the hub for the local head shops and whatnot, we don't want to have to be like, Oh, you also have to hide here. It's like, no, you want to <laughs> sell a bong, sell a bong. You know, sure. you know, you're not selling a water pipe. You're selling a, a bong with us. Right. Cool. So, I like that. Yeah. You're kind of leading the charge like collectively, uh, if I may say that. Would you agree with yeah. that? Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm one of many, of course, there's a lot of people, you know, we call it like a, this, I call it the smoke local coalition, but, um, we have a group of people like all of my vendors, I kind of refer to them by name, you know, like by their own name, the owner's name, because basically everybody that we work with is just a person with a dream. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the, the marketplace and I'm trying to be the hub to help all these people sell their products and to give like a consumers, a trusted place to go and easily buy these products. But, um, you know, there's a lot of other guys too, that are like a part of it as well. Um, that I think it's really cool. It's just really cool to have been in, able to do what I'm doing now. Um, and I wouldn't be able to do that if there wasn't several other people that think like us that want to support small businesses and, you know, support each other, um, and just be like cool with each other, you know? Um, and because I think in this space, we kind of invite that more than other spaces. Um, I've had the opportunity to, to do this. Yeah. But it's not just me. Sure. Sure. Well, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I like that. That's, that's super cool. I, uh, I only bring that tobacco thing up cause it's just kind of a funny remnant of our past that maybe even at this point, some people might like, there comes a point where people might forget that that was a thing or because they've never experienced it. I don't mean to say they forget, they never knew. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember growing up that, yeah, you couldn't call a bong a bong in a head shop, but like nowadays you can just be like, yeah, can I get that dab rig? I want to do a bunch of dabs out of that dab rig. And they're like, yeah, for sure. You know? They recommend you the dab rig based off of the experience that you want. And back in the day, it was just like glass. You want to buy the glass, buy the glass. Right. Yeah. Um, there's still some, like, like I said, Penny Lane, um, you know, you go in there and ask them if they sell bongs and they tell you no, you know, like, and I get it because whenever you've been in the industry for a long time and you've experienced all the negativity, that these different people have had to experience, you know, due to the government or public opinion or propaganda. Um, you know, I totally understand where they're coming from, but one of my, one of my partners, happy hut, um, is also, um, there are 23 year old business owners, first time business owners that, um, actually acquired that business in Decatur. And, um, they still have some of those old signs up just like as, like as remnants, just like really funny old, like, don't say bong. Don't talk about anything illegal, you know, stuff just posted up at the store that's been there forever. Um, and it's wild that's to think funny. about how these kids that are like, you know, my, my age, when I started smoking like 17, when they can legally smoke when they're like 21, 
you know, obviously don't smoke until you're 21, um, when they can actually go in and participate in the culture, they might not even know about the old, the old tobacco rules, like you said, especially since tap tobacco is kind of taboo, uh, especially within like the younger generation, you know, everybody's yeah. more accepting of cannabis and more against tobacco than I think ever before. Yeah. And I feel like I just, you know, you got, you got to be careful sometimes because people will say they're like, oh, I, I saw this headline. But then it's like when you really think about it, it's like, nah, you saw like a semi meme and that's what you retained in your memory. Right. So what I think oh, I got to be careful about saying this, but what I was going to say, I think I saw is in the UK. So Google this people. That's what I'm really trying to say. Sorry, I'm high. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure in the UK or somewhere they're actually starting with like a year and they're making it so that tobacco, like tobacco is completely legal or illegal. Sorry. Like, I, l let me describe it this way. Like, I don't know that this is the year that they chose, but let's just say they chose the year 1998. Right. So if you were born in 1998, like they basically make it so that the age that you have to be in order to get tobacco like raises each year so i think it's like 26 one year 27 one year but if you're again i'm having trouble explaining this google it but i, I don't even know why i'm explaining it at this point it, it's just interesting that that's how some other countries are going with this you know um, yeah, yeah i guess that's what i'm trying to say i think i've seen a similar like at the same article that you're talking about i don't think it's the uk but i i know it's overseas it's like uh Oh, man, it's like Finnish. It's like Finland, I think. Yeah. I think. But it's like there's been so much pushback on that law. And, you know, like there's a lot of interesting theories on that because, like, on one hand, you know, I don't promote the use of tobacco. I don't use tobacco. But, you know, people should be able to do what they want whenever you're an adult. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just Googled it. I think the article that I saw was New Zealand, and it says New to Zealand. ban – uh, yeah, the headline is New Zealand to ban cigarettes for future generations. And the source is BBC. And basically they say anyone born after 2008 will not be able to buy cigarettes or tobacco products in their lifetime under a, under a law expected to be enacted next year. Okay, so, and this was written in 2021. So it's possible that this didn't happen, like you said. I'm sure that, rightfully so, I'm sure there were objections. Again, I'm not like, Again, I don't know why we've talked about, I feel like we've talked about tobacco a little bit more than, than we ever might've planned. But again, I'm not a proponent of tobacco, but I'm also not a proponent of prohibition. And yeah, uh, yeah I guess I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. I've seen, um, so I've, I've actually heard a couple of episodes of your podcast before um, on Spotify is where I usually listen to it. Thanks for listening, man. Absolutely, man. It's a good podcast. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I've seen you talk about, yeah, like mentioned, like prohibition on like psychedelics and stuff like that as well. Um, and yeah, you know, as as myself, you know, without getting into the too too political on that sort of things, so I just I don't think that prohibition has ever been the answer. And I think usually there's a lot of disinformation in prohibition, and I think it's not helpful. Um, yeah. I think, especially even on dangerous drugs, you know, where people do get sick and die, pro having the prohibition doesn't stop people from using them. It just causes them to use them in a very unsafe way and not have an environment where they can get help. 
Um, Absolutely. And so, yeah, I've never been a fan of prohibition at all, but especially yeah. in cannabis where it's all based in propaganda anyway. <laughs> right. I mean, I'd argue it's all, they all, you know, all drugs fall under that envelope, but yeah, definitely let's start with cannabis because it's digestible for folks. You know what I mean? I get what you're saying, but yeah, totally. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Thanks yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, uh, what is it? At Cal Colorado, they're decriminalizing, um, was it psilocybin mushrooms and LSD or something like that? Yeah. I believe all psychedelics actually. So, you know, um, DMT, uh, LSD, psilocybin, you know, you name it. Um, now it's not legalized. It's not available for commercial sale, but you can cultivate it yourself. You know, you can have as much as you want. I don't believe you can gift it to each other technically. I might be wrong on that, but yeah, definitely an interesting policy proposal for sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, again, that's like a good first step, especially in an age where we're still on a federal ban on cannabis. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Oregon actually is, I believe in the first steps or close to, you know, actually rolling out and doing a psilocybin program. Um, we had, we recently had Dr. Eric Lee on the podcast and he, um, I believe, you know, he's still maybe doing stuff with green mind physicians in Illinois. Um, but he is ultimately, he told us he's ultimately going out there and he's basically going to be a mushroom doctor. So it's going to be super cool. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. That I feel like that that's gotta be one of the best things. Um, just studying psilocybin mushrooms. I think there's a lot that we need to uncover about those. Um, and especially growing up with the propaganda around those, you know, um, there's a lot of, a lot of people that talk about, Oh, you have a bad trip and you never come back and you know, you right. get brain damage from this stuff. And I could tell you, uh, that's not the case. Even whenever you have bad trips, it's not like you're stuck in the bad trip. Um, and for me, and I'll, I'll go on record, you know, like, on the come up uh, the next day after you take those mushrooms, even if you've had a bad trip for me, it's the best I've ever felt. Um, and I, you know, I feel like you, you get to experience something about yourself that you, it's hard to access otherwise. So yeah. I'm very interested to see, you know, studies, actual legitimate studies on that. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard that consistently. I mean, at least the, you know, consider it anecdotal, but the people that I've, spoke to that have had positive experiences with psilocybin all basically describe, yeah, that, that sense of, you know, awareness of self, but also just this profound feeling of, um, happiness, but also calm, you know, just this realization that, you know, we're just this blip in in a vast like spectrum of time and, you know, life is only, ultimately meaningless but you can definitely find meaning in it i don't know i'm just going you know yeah i'm going uh, off the cuff right now everybody has their different experience right but ultimately like i say what i've heard is unanimous is, is it being a positive experience you know absolutely it i think that it's a positive just all around i, I don't know i mean i maybe i'm not the right person to talk about that but i i because I'm definitely biased in my opinion, right? Obviously, there's medical risks to everything, and there's long-term consequences that I definitely don't know. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know what the long-term uh, uh, effects on my body would be for the times that I've tried psilocybin mushrooms, but I feel like my life has been benefited 
obviously I'm not, I'm not the type of person that's using this like, you know, once a week, you know, for me, it's like every several months I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'll take a trip and I'll do that. And I think that that's been a very good, a very good thing for me. Again, that's anecdotal. Um, but I'm, I'm very interested to see where that goes. And it's interesting, you know, talking about the kind of the existential nihilistic journey that people have whenever they're on, on those types of, uh, drugs the the sorry i'm also high man <laughs> the psychedelic good. drugs that's what this is like, all about like uh, uh mushrooms you know um when I, back back to my life i'll be candid whenever i was 17 and i was shunned out of my my family um you know i would was on a multiple year long existential journey uh to the point where like even now you know like like people talk about going through an existential crisis. It's like, I was in that for five years. And now, um, what, what really helped me with my life, um, was getting fired from the credit union, um, in May and realizing like, you know, cause I thought that if I got fired and I missed one paycheck, that it was like the end of the world. And now it's December and I am only doing this full time and I'm only, you know, focusing on this and we're dedicated towards this. And of course, you know, I have the support of my wife as well, my business partner as well. So it's not just me, but the, the taking the step back and allowing yourself to decide what matters to you is like really important to me. And I, I think that a lot more people would benefit if instead of like searching for a purpose or trying to find a third, you know, external force to tell them exactly what it is that they need to do with their life to, you know, instead examine themselves and find out what works for them, what matters to them and what's important to them. Cause like you said, we are just a blip, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, I'll close this podcast. Maybe we never see each other again, or maybe we become good friends. But like at the end of the day, what matters to us is that we pursue what works for us, what we decide, but it's all about the decisions that we make and not an external factor telling us, Oh, this is what we need to do. You know, I need to do X. For me, you know, with 420 Pipes, I run this business because of not only that, not only is there a need for it, right? Not only is this a niche that I know that I can fill, especially with, you know, big acquisition firms in Canada, like High Tide, buying all of the online head shops in, in, in America, just waiting for federal legalization because they want, they think they can come in and acquire the whole nation um, and run it, run the game here. They can't and they won't. But not only, not only is there that need, but there's also the, the satisfaction, you know, I like what I do. I like helping small businesses and I pursue this because of that, that external goal. And I think that a lot more people should do that. You know, like don't be stuck somewhere that you don't like and that just because you feel like you need to. So, yeah. I mean, can I like, if you think about it, somebody told me this way and you know, maybe it was just that, I'm just behind the tide and, you know, everybody thinks about it this way. But for me, something that made me have an epiphany is like somebody, they were describing work and they basically said that, you know, work, going to work, they are paying you for your time out of your life. Like your life is so short and that is like, yes, of course you need a paycheck, but like ultimately the reason so many, and I don't mean to say so many people are offering jobs. I get the impression that maybe, you know, 
finding a job is maybe kind of hard right now. I'm not trying to say that finding a job is easy, but the reason that people offer jobs, right, is because they need to buy people's time in order to get their job done, right? So I don't know if I'm, when I thought about that, when I thought about it that way, instead of thinking about a job as like, oh, I need it for this income. It's like, you know, they're paying for time out of my day, you know? You're paying for yeah. my time and my focus, right? And so, your skills too, yeah. And your skills, absolutely. So. Yeah, and that's that's another thing that I feel like people don't really talk about enough. You know, as a business owner, I I understand. You know, you got to pay somebody, especially in the the type of system that we're in at the moment. You know, I pay somebody. I expect to get a little bit more than what I pay them out in value. Otherwise, I can't afford to pay them. Um, that it just doesn't make sense. But also whenever you're an employee and you're, for me, I worked in banking. I wanted to do a YouTube channel. I had a, a financial, uh, don't know, nobody look it up. <laughs> I had a, uh, a finance channel when I was like 19 um, because I realized that I knew way more about credit and there was like way too many, like, you know, too much misinformation on credit at the time. Um, I made a bunch of YouTube videos. I almost now got Why the hell would you tell team. people not to look that up? That sounds like useful information. I'm just joking. <laughs> well, it's, I'm just messing with I, you. I was like, it's pretty cringe, so don't go over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, I, hope I, didn't cut, I hope I didn't uh, make you lose your train of thought. Please continue. Uh, no, you're good, man. I, I am high, so it, I don't really know if I have a train of thought. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like I wanted to make those, those YouTube videos and, right. um, you know, I got almost got fired for it. I had to take down like most of the content, hide, hide a bunch of the content. Um, and then whenever I went to, to the credit union, of course, you know, I got fired for, for this business, but you know, it's not even just about the amount of time that you're dedicating over there because yeah, you're dedicating a certain amount of time. People talk about these hourly wages, like, you know, t- like I was making $21 an hour, um, plus commission, which is not much, but you know, it was livable for my wife and I, um, when I worked at the credit union, but it's also about, you're not just dedicating 40 hours a week for $21 an hour. Um, you're dedicating more like 45, first of all, after all your lunch breaks. But on top of that, once you have a somewhat professional job, you have to sign away so much of your Liberty over to this company that they'll dictate what you do off of the clock as in like, you know, what you're promoting on social media, which to play devil's advocate, of course, if you're, if you work for me and you go on, say something, you know, insane on social media, then yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. But like they get very specific and they really want you to sign away a bunch of, you know, your rights and to work for a company that, that pays you enough to maybe pay rent. Right. Yeah. A few examples, you know, drug testing or, or like, cause that's a very clear, uh, violation of your liberties. That's widely practiced. Um, another example though, that I think you were specifically referencing is like, if you worked at like, I don't know, uh, some corporation, they may not, they may not want you like posting on your Facebook. Like if, if you're friends with people at work and you're posting on your Facebook, like, yeah, ripping my bong after work, you know, like even, even though it's illegal in some states, they'll still call you on that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they can fire you for that too. And they'll, we'll put stuff like that in their social media policy and then put it in a handbook that nobody ever reads and, and then fire you if you do something like that, um, which is absurd. And drug testing specifically is definitely a little bit of a violation. You know, I understand like, like I have oh, friends that. 
Yeah. Sorry. Our truckers. Oh, you're good, man. Um, that are truckers that have to drive a truck, um, for a living and they got to get drug tested to make sure that they don't have any cannabis in their system at all. And to me, I think that's a little absurd because, you know, they can drink alcohol, obviously not while driving. They're still allowed to have alcohol in their system, but there's a zero tolerance for cannabis, even though like, you know, of course I would never promote somebody to smoke and drive, but people should be able to do what they want when they get off work. Yeah. It's definitely a tough, it's definitely a nuanced topic for sure. But, but what I was going to say that I was just going to say that, you know, it's more than a little bit of a privacy invasion. Like, and I'm not an expert in this. I've heard, um, I'm trying to think ham. I think it's Hamilton Morris talk about this, like your analysis and otherwise the analysis of urine, um, is such an invasion of privacy. Like they can see so much more than what drugs you've used. And now whether or not you really care to share your diet, it's just the fact that you like involuntarily are basically sharing, you know, a bit like that's your DNA, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just weird that we've yeah. accepted it. You and know appara- what? Apparently it started during a debate um, in the eighties or nineties, look it up folks, uh, where basically the presidential candidates all said like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a drug test to prove I'm not on drugs, you know, and they all did that and it became common practice in, you know, employment. So. Wow. Yeah. I, I've never even thought about the other things that they could see that, you know, could be, you know, your dietary information, like you said, or your health information. Sure. If yeah. You, I did. You're yeah, sick or exactly. whatever. Yeah. Maybe you don't want to disclose that you have diabetes or something. And yeah. now that's on your year analysis. Yeah. That's wild. Yes. Yeah. Like I say, I don't know much about the topic, but I've heard people, you know, kind of air their privacy concerns about, you know, about that. Yeah. But like I say, like I go back to, it's, it's a nuanced topic. Cause you, like you say, you don't want somebody driving a, a huge truck with a big load under the influence. So how do we, you know, how do we square that circle? I don't know. That's a, that's a tough question. Yeah. There definitely needs to be some sort of solution to that sooner rather than later. And it needs to not be this huge invasion of privacy, you know, right. not the year analysis is not the answer, but we need to find one that works as yeah. well. And the shame is that cannabis stays in your system so long. So truckers literally can't just like, like they can't just do it once in a while. Like even if you do it once in a while, you're rolling the dice on, you know, since like I, you know, am I wrong in saying that most people accept that it's about 30 days at times for cannabis to get out of your system. It's like, it sucks, (laughs) you know? So. Yeah. I know. Cause you know, working in banking, you got to pass the drug test anyway. So I know, um, for me, what I would do whenever I would have to get a year analysis is, um, and this is not advice is I would stop smoking from the time that I had the first interview, um, up until the time that I would accept the, the job. And then I would um, go to the corner store and buy those probably totally fake um, like kidney flusher things. And I would drink those. And then I'd buy like a 24 pack of water and just flush my kidneys until basically, and I wouldn't smoke until my, my drug test. So usually like after my first interview, I'll have a drug test scheduled within 12 days from that first interview. I'd buy two drug tests that I would test um, before, before my test. Um, my, my official one, that home drug test to make sure that I would pass. And then I would still continue to just 
honestly be the most hydrated that I've ever been. It's pretty yeah. good for my, my system. <laughs> Whenever you're afraid of a drug test, that's how you know you can get hydrated. But um, yeah, other than that, you know, I would be amazed. I would be interested to see on how long it would take for me to pass a drug test if I just stopped smoking cannabis today. I bet it'd be a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. Well, um, I guess, you know, before we, before we head out, um, once again, 420pipes.com, um, you can go there for, tell us like what, what, like what generally you have on there. I mean, it sounds like you have pipes, but do you have bongs? Like what you got on there, man? And then I've got other questions for you, but I want to make sure we, we plug, you know, the business one more time before we talk about other things. For sure, man. Um, so yeah, we sell pipes, chillums, hand pipes, grinders, um, anything of, that you can think of the smoke with, you know, rolling trays, papers, uh, we're partnered with a couple of Illinois companies. So one of my, one of my close friends and partners, um, Sam Brubaker, uh, owns a company called Prairie State Hemp. We sell a bunch of their glass, but, um, he's a CBD store here. We also sell like split society, um, rolling papers, um, rose cones, stuff like that as well. Like, like, um, like that. And we have an exclusive bong line. Uh, we partnered with a company from Lamont called CS Drift. Um, that is an American made acrylic bong line, um, that we offer as well. So we have, I don't know, like over a thousand products total now. Um, and we're now doing, we just got t-shirts, posters, socks, um, and apparel, stuff like that as well. We have a few partners for that. And, um, I'm looking, I've been wanting to expand into a grow store. So that's my next venture. But as of right now, yeah, we have a, a clothing and apparel and then just anything that you would need to smoke with. Very cool. Very cool. 420pipes.com. Once again, that's in the podcast description. Um, so you are, if you're, are you comfortable talking about being a Jehovah's witness? Are you comfortable talking For about sure, that? Man. Okay, cool. Tell, yeah. tell like, sounds wild. Uh, um, you know, just really quick, we had a comedian on in the past, uh, Lucas McCreary from Austin, and he posted this funny, like impromptu moment. He asked somebody like, you know, if they were religious growing up and they said, yeah, they were Jehovah's witness. And he like off the cuff responded like, was anyone here raised religious? Jehovah, holy shit. I bet you got thick thighs, dude, just walking around all the time. You got calluses on your knuckles. Just fuck it, dude. That's a first, Jehovah's Witness. That's a first. Get the fuck out, dude. Get the fuck out. <laughs> I love you, dude. Get the fuck. You, you. I mean, you've heard that before. Get the fuck out. <laughs> so you're used to it. Anyways, like, did you have to do that? Like, uh, what was it like? Was... Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, that's like a requirement, right? So they tell you that it's not a requirement, but if you don't do it. Um, then you're like looked down on in the church. Um, you don't have like responsibilities, quote unquote. Um, and you can't really like, like parents, if you're not going out, out in what they call service. So that's the preaching work, um, where they're going door to door, kind of like do like Bible sales, essentially. Um, if you don't do that, then your parents, your, your friend's parents are all going to be like, Oh, you know, Nicholas, he's not going out in service. He's, he's irregular. He's not a good Christian. So they, they see you as a bad influence. Um, but yeah, growing up, that was definitely something that I, you know, I have memories of as far back as I can remember, you know, like being in a suit and tie as a baby, 
through my adolescence all the way up until I was a teenager. Every Saturday morning, we would go door to door all throughout Taylorville, knocking on people's houses and uh, trying to preach to them about Jesus. Um, and then whenever I was uh, 14, um, I went, my, I, I made some friends with some people up here in Springfield. I still lived in Taylorville at the time. And a bunch of the people that I had made friends with were all part of a fully American sign language congregation. So I went there. I knew nothing about ASL. I loved the language. I loved deaf people because one thing about me is that I'm kind of blunt, like not even in like a rude way, just naturally. I like to be, I like people to be direct with me and I'm inadvertently direct with people and in sign language, you know, like, like if, if I have a bad haircut, for instance, Cole, you might be like, Oh, Nick, you know, your hair is looking interesting today. You know, who cut it? But one of my deaf friends would just be like, your hair's weird. <laughs> um, and I just, I'm a big fan of that. So I, I love, I fell in love with the language and I really love the fact that like, if I'm, if I'm at the ASL meeting, um, then I could just sit there and try to try to understand what they're saying. And that was fun to me, um, versus being in English and you're just getting preached at on the same stuff over and over and over again about stuff that, you know, like what kid wants to go to church anyway. Um, so it, it was more fun for me in that front. And then um, in order to be a part of the sign language church, you have to be more exemplary um, because you're leaving like English and you're going into a foreign language. They let us join anyway, um, even though we didn't really have the service time required to go, which was like, I think 30 hours a month dedicated to uh, preaching. Uh, but from there, once I moved to Springfield, um, I homeschooled and I graduated when I was 16 and um, I focused on preaching in sign language. Um, I was really excited about that just because, like I said, I was a kid. It was way more fun uh, than English. And in, in preaching, whenever you're, whenever you're doing it for sign language, for the most part, you're going to small businesses and asking them if they know anybody who's deaf and trying to find them. So for me, it was less time that I had to actually spend preaching something that I was believing in less and less and less and seeing the writing on the wall that, you know, perhaps this is more of a dangerous cult than a religion. And then um, I started making friends and opening up to those friends where I would like, like every once in a while, I would say something that uh, was not in line with the religion that I knew, like, like they believe in the great flood, right? Um, the Noah's Ark whole thing, like they, they believe in that to its yeah. entirety. Um, and I remember I told one of my best friends, I was like, yo, you know, we don't believe in evolution and we believe in this flood. And, you know, we also believe that this flood happened only like 4,000 years ago. And if that was true, then God would have to create. And I think it was like over a thousand, like, like maybe even over 2000 animals per day, every single day to today. Like that's why I had done the math on it. Cause I thought it was like crazy every single day until today to, um, to like have the amount of animals that we've discovered on earth. Isn't that wild? He's like, yeah, the flood totally didn't happen. And then that was, you know, my, my best friend, Jesse, who, um, you know, he, he's done some work with me and he started this company with me. Um, but unfortunately he, um, he can't focus on it full time with me right now. Um, but hopefully one day he will be able to, um, him and I became really close over, over that. Um, and that's how we both decided to do cannabis as well as because I had known, you know, other people that liked it. 
he had worked in the restaurant industry. So of course everybody smokes weed in the restaurant industry. Um, and we're like, let's do it. You know? Um, so yeah, it was definitely, you know, no holidays, no birthdays, no friends outside of the religion. Um, and for me being in, in sign language meant that we were going door to door all the time. Um, at that point it was like, like I was doing like five hours a week as a, or five hours a month as a kid, like doing the minimum. And then whenever we came and did sign language, it was like 30 to 40, just because everybody was going on Wednesday and every, and we had, we had, uh, our, um, church, we call it meetings. Well, they call it meetings. Uh, we had those on Saturday mornings as opposed to Sunday. And so we were going at a minimum all day, Wednesday, all day, Sunday, uh, looking for deaf people to preach to. And I liked it because, you know, like it was new, it was a uh, new, and I felt like I could help people because teaching deaf people, the Bible, even though now I don't believe the Bible and I definitely don't believe the Jehovah's witness rhetoric, um, getting to teach them that in their native language was really awesome. And now as a business owner and, and doing what I do, a lot of the, the connections and what I've been able to accomplish has been entirely based off of my abilities to speak with people, um, including sign language. And so, you know, having that skill, being able to communicate with people, like even out in public, if somebody's trying to like navigate and I find out, I realize that they're deaf, I'll talk to them, I'll sign for them. And then they'll, I, they'll basically ask me to help them with, you know, ordering something at the restaurant or whatever that they're at. Um, and so just like having that skill is nice. Um, sure. but then also like the confidence to just go in to somebody's house or to somebody's business and, you know, ask them for business or to talk to them about their business whenever like they, they have no reason to do that. Like that was absolutely a skill that I gained from being a Jehovah's witness. And like now, like, like whenever you're bootstrapping and you're a startup, you have to find whatever creative way to market your business. So that's, that <laughs> are you saying I, that, are you saying that Jehovah's being a Jehovah's witness, like one of the good things you got out of it is that you can go up and knock on somebody's door and not really have a lot of nerves. <laughs> yeah. It was, yes. And especially with me, like, you know, like I said, I'll be honest, I'm riddled with anxiety, man. Even like, you know, you get high now and um, I don't knock on anybody's door, but whenever I first, started really marketing my business. Um, I have a bunch of flyers, like a, like trifold flyers. I modeled it off of the tracks that I used to hang out, hand out as a Jehovah's Witness, bro. And I'll go to the apartment complexes and I'll just put them all in the doors, just just all on the all on the door handle. Because as long as I don't use their mailbox, it's not illegal. And I'm not taping it on their door and I'm not the the flyers that I'm handing and out. And you learn that from being a Jehovah's Witness. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I got the confidence to do that. So whenever I'm doing that, usually I'll bring another person with me. So that way, like, you know, just like that classic two Jehovah's Witnesses type thing, it's, it feels safer because whenever you're in random neighborhoods, it's definitely dangerous. You know, even if you don't know where you're at, it can feel, well, at least it feels dangerous. Sure. And so then, you got another person with you, a Bible, a pack of cigarettes and a gun, <laughs> some flyers. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got to stay strapped, but, um, <laughs> I, uh, I would go, um, just like wearing like a, a shirt, you know, I don't really wear ties anymore, sure. but like a dress shirt and some dress pants and just, I don't bother people by knocking on their door and being like, Oh, have you heard about cannabis or anything like that? No. But, um, I do leave the, I would leave all the flyers in the door handles. Um, so that was definitely think, something that I think I, I 
I'm able to do because of that. And as well, like I, I mentioned, pray stay him. Um, I have a lot of respect for him because um, in in April or May, April on his soft open, I went and talked to him and I was asking him for his business when all I had really done was sell a couple of $4.20 items online, you know, cause I, I opened originally October, 2021, but it was just like a side gig that we did for fun because I was breaking all my pieces because I was high all the time, <laughs> you know? So like I had sold a few items um, and I'd gone in there and he had absolutely no business doing anything with me. Um, but I was able to talk to him in a way that he respected you know, so we hit it off from the get go. Um, and then that was kind of like my breaking point into every connection that I have now. Um, and where I'm at now is because that one conversation, but I don't think I would have been able to do that if I didn't have to, well, first call my way, like learn how to do conversations and speeches as a Jehovah's witness, but also with my own identity, identity, I've had to claw my way out since I was 17. You know, I've been on my own. Um, as an, as a young teenager. And, you know, I bought my, I bought my house here in uh, Springfield um, when I was 19 and uh, my wife and I have lived, we got married uh, this year in, um, wow, in May. So it's been a while now. Um, well, not a while, but you know, we've been together sure. for five years, but, um, and yeah, like if it wasn't for that experience, you know, I don't think that I would have the the skills that I need to do what I do. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what, what was the term again for when you get like disavowed or what is it from the church? Yeah. So, um, for me, I was what's called disfellowshipped. Disfellowshipped. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And actually like I did. So it's funny. Um, I got disfellowshipped in, I think it was like April of 2017. It might've been May. It was May 2017. And, um, I got reinstated. So I came back to the church, um, in like March, 2018. <laughs> uh, and then I moved away, moved out and immediately just dipped, dipped away from the church. Cause I, I knew that it was fake. Right. Um, the entire time that I was shunned, of course, or disfellowshipped, um, I had a girlfriend that wasn't in the faith that I was seeing all the time. And, you know, I was smoking weed and do, you know, just being a person dancing with the um, devil. Yeah. Yeah. Dancing with the devil, sinning against God transgressions. Yeah. But, um, the, they tell you if you get reinstated that, you know, it's because you have Jehovah's blessing or whatever and blah, 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 blah. And I wrote like a really nice letter about, you know, the, how I've realized the error of my ways, sent a couple of those, uh, letters to the elders of the, of the church and they prayed about it and let me back in. Why'd you do um, that? Because it was the only thing I knew. Okay. Um, you know, like whenever, whenever you're growing up, you know, I was in Taylorville, like I said, which is only 45 minutes from here, but the friends that I had made in school, I wasn't really allowed to hang out with outside of school. So I didn't really have any connections. And whenever you get disfellowshipped, you know, you can't talk to your friends or your family. So I had no friends, no family. And if I wanted to have any connections to who I was before, you know, I needed to get reinstated. Uh, so I did that, um, knowing that I would leave pretty soon after I didn't realize that what, what would happen is, is that I would get called out because, um, my father's no longer in the church either. He's disfellowshipped. 
And they told me, oh, you're an adult. You don't need to be spending time with your dad now. Don't spend time with your dad. And I did. And I was at a haunted house in St. Louis. And um, one of the elders called me and my pocket answered it. And, you know, they just hear a chainsaw and screaming. And I realized that I'd actually answered it. Like, Nicholas? I'm like, yeah. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching a movie. They're like, what movie? I'm like, Mission Impossible 5. <laughs> uh, this was a, it was a, the only action movie out at the time. But, uh, yeah, from there, you know, like, I knew that they were going to want to try to talk to me or whatever, you know, like, meet me up and disfellowship me again. Um, and so I went and told my mom. I had dinner with her one night, my mom and my stepfather. And I was just like, I want to, you know, tell you I'm, I'm never going out in service again. I'm never going to the church again. So I remember that night was very hard, but it was like the best, like, you know, at, looking back, it's like one of the best things I've ever done. Um, but yeah, yeah. Just being like this, just ripping the bandaid off and telling people that, no, I'm absolutely not going to be a part of this. Um, and so now, yeah, yeah. Now, like, you know, my, I've been in the newspaper for this cannabis company after being shunned for smoking weed and saying that I was not going to smoke weed anymore. Um, so I have no idea what my official status is in the church, but, um, whenever you become like a publisher, so like whenever you become like a unofficial member before you get baptized, um, they gave you a publisher card, right? So I became an unbaptized publisher when I was like 10. And they started, they, they, they notate everything about you on that. So if they think that you're like, you know, going to be somebody that's strong-willed um, or would ask questions, they'll put that on the, the card. If they think that you're going to just be submissive and fall in line, they put that on the card. But they put like all of your sins on it too. Like like all the meetings that I would have to have with the with the elders um, they would notate the, the things that I would tell them. And, you know, like any basic thing that you could do as a boy, like you can't, you can't watch any porn at all, or you get disfellowship. They you can't, the, you know, like have, how did that, did they, did that type of stuff come up or like what? Oh yeah. They, uh, they guilt you into admitting it. Um, and they'll do like, they have like a bunch of propaganda videos and talks and stuff about, you know, telling on yourself and telling on your friends and they really make you want to like, they really, they really make you feel like you have to tell on yourself in order to be in, uh, in God's graces. Um, but in my case, you know, i I, as a kid, I realized that I didn't believe in the church. So I would just do what I wanted kind of and hide it. Um, but I had, you know, friends tell, tell on us to adults, um, which is how I got in trouble. But yeah, you can't like anything that we would do. That's kind of like normal, you know, like, you know, not to be like too R rated or whatever, but like any form of having sex before you're married, like any form, um, not, not okay. You want to go on a date? Well, you can't date anybody until you're 18 and uh, you have to have a chaperone on your date. Um, what do you men and women like, like you chaperone. can't. Yeah. Yeah. So say you're, you and your girlfriend, your newly girlfriend are both 18. Um, and you want to go out and go on a date you have to have a chaperone for that date. And you can't be like alone in the same room as a member of the opposite sex, like at all. 
Just um, is it, who puts that bill? Who's the chaperone? I'm just joking. Like, is it your fucking mom or like, who's the chaperone? What? Do you, how does that yeah, work? Yeah, it could be a mom or a friend or whatever. It has to be a member of the church. A uh, member of the church. Outside. Yeah, so you, and you like, can't date out the church either. Yeah, so you can't date out of the church. Oh, okay. Yeah, like no. you can't date somebody if they're not uh, also a Mormon or uh, sorry, not a Mormon, a uh, Jehovah's Witness. Sorry. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm hot. Yeah. Um, but uh, okay, so wait what were we just saying uh oh yeah yeah so if you need a chaperone right like if you're trying to go on a date with somebody i mean i'm sorry i might just be getting because i'm high right now i'm just like you know if you don't have anybody that's willing to go do you go to church like yo trying to go on a date anybody willing to come with me yeah but, dude for real yeah yeah absolutely <clears throat> anyways yeah. that's that's pretty crazy so they just yeah. like accompany you on your date and it can be anything like are you are they weird about certain activities like are you not allowed to like dance or you know like, no i mean what? as long as it's not like sexual in nature you know like if okay. you're doing like a, a romantic you know like a dance square dance yeah you could probably do yeah, square dance. <laughs> okay. yeah i mean you can for sure square dance if you're Jehovah's witness but like you know you can't Half grind dance. yeah right yeah they're not gonna twerking. be down for that yeah yeah but like right. i mean it was so severe dude that like people would have to go and talk to the elders like couples would it would be talked talk to the elders if they were seen having a one-on-one -on -one date at a restaurant in public mm. so they're like hey you guys seem to be friends let's just say um what, what's going on here you guys touching each other is that basically how the conversation yeah, goes yeah yeah and they go into detail man if if you get caught having sex before you're married dude they uh they go into detail they want everything they want everything they want to know well, how you felt yeah how you felt yeah all the all the details like where the hands went how long you know if you knew how many thrusts they was she looking did. at you yeah 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 literally were you making eye contact you know was she was it upright was she face down yeah yeah did dude, it feel really detail. good did you like yeah. it like yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How many wow. times did it happen? Did you, did you go to completion? Did both of you complete? Yeah, dude. Yes. Yes. Are there particular things you enjoy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally. You should have no expertise at all. And on top of that, you know, you can't masturbate either. Right. So like they got all these sexually repressed kids that are like 18 that can't masturbate and they can't have sex until marriage. So then they all get married. Like, they turn 18 on May 1st. They're married by May 3rd. Sure. You know, and yeah. then they're in unhappy marriages and then they get divorced when they're in their forties. Um, just because one of them like leaves the cult or cheats on the other one or something, you know? Yeah. But yeah, man, like the rules, the rules are out there. The practices are bad. And like, you know, it's, it's so messed up to the point where like um, this last weekend, uh, last Saturday, it was my uncle's funeral. Um, and luckily they had it on zoom, but like they have the funerals at the kingdom hall. Um, and for me, you know, I'm a sentimental guy. So if they are doing a funeral, I would like to hear about the life of the person's funeral that I'm attending. Um, but every funeral that they have is just another opportunity that the cult uses to preach to you. Um, so like my grandpa died in February, my uncle died you know, a couple of weeks ago when his funeral was this last weekend, I watched, um, I went to my grandpa's funeral. I watched my uncle's funeral, both of the, the 
talks were the same. They talk about your loved one for maybe two and a half to three minutes. And then the rest of the whole talk is a sermon about the hope for the earth and like going to Jehovah and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. It's a, yeah, I don't miss it. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for your loss on, you know, both, both counts and, uh, you know, yeah, you're right. Those, those people, I don't even know them, but I already know that they deserved a better send off than that. But Hey, we're talking about them right now and they still live on in your head. And I think that's, that's what counts, you know, if I may Absolutely. say so myself. Um, yeah. yeah. But you know, I feel good on that front, you know, and also yeah, too, like, they they were jehovah's witnesses their whole life so they knew what their funerals would be so they got what they wanted it's not like they've been disrespected or whatever but for me you know as my as a selfish person of course i want to hear about the person whose funeral i'm attending sure yeah the i've never really opened up about this before so it was just a really thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about stuff like this (laughs) yeah no for sure it's something that we I mean, you know, as long as people are comfortable, we try to talk about anything and everything on this show. And I guess just a few final questions, because you kind of alluded to it earlier, and then we can wrap up. Like, uh, it sounds like one of your friends is with you in business, you know, right? Or, mm-hmm. or wait, you said they're, they're you know, maybe bus- busy doing other things, but they're out of the church, right? I don't mean to make you speak on behalf of them. And if you'd rather not, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, they're out of the church. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Do you have um, other friends that got out? You know, uh, luckily for me, some of them did. Uh, but whenever it's different because whenever you're in the church, call everybody brother and sister. Um, and whenever you, that's your whole life and your whole life revolves around who goes to the church. Like, you know, I have people that I feel like are estranged siblings that have left um, the, the, the cult as well. Um, but I'm not really close to them. Um, unfortunately, all besides my 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 buddy Jesse, who I was talking about, and his brother Paul, um, nobody else was um, nobody else has left. A couple of my cousins have left that are older than me, but most of the people that I grew up with that I love like brothers um, that I spent all my time with are still in. My best friend of all time uh, growing up. I, I'm an only child. I don't have any like. Uh, brothers or sisters i have a stepbrother and a stepsister but besides that i don't have any brothers or sisters um so this this boy uh, his name is noah that i grew up with um you know he got married a year or two ago and my mom told me <laughs> like you know like on the on one of the, the few opportunities that i actually get to speak to my own mother she told me that my best friend of all time who was like my brother got married so no, not really. Not really. I hope they do though, you know. You, you hope them. they do what? Like do they do they they do well or whatever? You wish them well. Yeah, they get out. Yeah, man. I hope that they get out. Yeah. Oh, oh, you hope they get out. I gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Are you just are they allowed like maybe this is a stupid question, but like it, would he be allowed to like listen to something like this or like uh um, like, or is that an endorsement? Like, I mean, of, of weed and stuff. If you listen to content that's talking about anything like this, like, are there rules like that? Oh yeah, for sure. So 
like for one thing, you know, if something's like a, a, a an R-rated movie or in even like, you know, I, like I said, you can't watch porn at all, but like if you can't watch like R-rated stuff too. So, you know, I didn't really grow up getting to watch Cheech and Chong <laughs> or anything like yeah. that. I didn't get to experience that until, you know, relatively recently. Um, yeah, yeah. You, he probably wouldn't listen to this podcast at all because, of course, cannabis is already taboo and right. uh, prohibited. But on top of that, anybody that is a Jehovah's Witness that would be listening to this podcast would probably turn it off from minute one um, when I said that I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness and I know I'm not. Sure. Yeah. Uh, fair yeah, enough. Because you can't, they can't support me. Yeah. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to give, I just figure I'm sure at all. Yeah. I'm not trying to dwell on this or whatever, but I just figure if he, you know, if you guys were really, you know, as close as you say you were, I'm sure, I'm sure that from time to time he thinks about you and you know how it is. You search each other up online. I'm sure you've done it. I don't know. Have you, oh, yeah. I don't know. Well, you don't even have to say oh, yeah. that, but like, you know what I mean? You look each other up online, like, cause you care about each other still. And yeah. I'm sure he looks up your name sometimes and I don't know. Yeah. But like you say, maybe he listens and he's like, nah, I don't want to, you know, I'm maybe I'm, I doubt if, you know, like you say, if he or anybody in the church were to listen, they would have stopped. Like you say, maybe towards the beginning when you said what you said, I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> and they definitely, if they didn't stop, then they definitely stopped uh, 20 minutes ago. Whenever you asked me to talk about it, because <laughs> <laughs> they knew it was not going to be an endorsement. And see for them, for they're not even allowed to talk to me at all. So, um, hearing something like this, they would think that, you know, it's the devil's influence. You know, I'm, I'm on a drug podcast talking negatively about the church. That's like the worst thing that you could do. Yeah. Damn. We're out here. Yeah. We're out here doing it, committing <laughs> sins anyways. But yeah, anyway, uh, one promotion though, you know, for committing sins, um, we're doing a coat drive <laughs> at Prey State Hemp. So if Sweet. you want to, if you want to go donate to a heathen, uh, do a coat drive. We're going on until the 19th. So yeah. Um, you know, we do a little bit more than sin out here. That's no, that's awesome. So, uh, coat drive, you know, to make sure that people that don't have coats have coats, right. For people that are high yep. right now and may not know, um, that may be me. Thank you for clarifying. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Do you have like a, you said, when is it? And do you have like a link uh, maybe we can throw in the, the description? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll email you um, the Prairie State Hemp link. Um, yeah, so it's over at Prairie State Hemp uh, downtown in Springfield, um, and then it's twenty percent off. We're honoring it on four twenty pipes and in store, and I believe online at prairiestatehemp.org. Um, so if you donate a coat to them, uh, I will I will be helping donate those coats uh, on the either the nineteenth or the twentieth of December uh, to the houseless um, here in. Uh, Springfield. Very cool. So, very cool. Well, thank you for doing something very uh, charitable like that. Um, and yeah, folks, check that out. I'll try to throw the link or the information in there. You know, just look up, you said Prairie State Hemp. You can find the information uh, online for, for that. So yeah, it's also uh, on my Instagram as well. Uh, and that's F O U R T W E N T Y P I P E S. Um, we got the, actually it's on my story right now. So perfect. 
Sweet. We'll we'll throw the Instagram handle in the podcast description as well, folks. So just check that out. You know, it's got all the links. Make it easy on you. So, uh, Nicholas, it's been a pleasure speaking with you um, today. Um, thank you so much for telling us about 420pipes.com. Um, folks, go there. Get it. Get, get all your uh, weed stuff there. Like he said, he's got everything you need. Thanks so, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you so much. And folks, uh, we hope you found value in this episode of the Chillinoy podcast. We'll see you on the next episode.